by 2029, the smartest being on the face of planet Earth is not going to be a human anymore. Okay? Now, we have to start asking ourselves, what does that mean? What does that mean when we, who have only used our intelligence as superpower to build everything that you and I are used to, what does it mean when we are no longer the smartest being on the planet? Because that's the topic that needs to be spoken about. That's Mo Gaudat, and this is episode 420 of the Wellness Force Podcast. Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. How can we bring awareness and reverence to all the little mundane elements of our life and begin from that platform of sacred relationship to the self to begin to orient towards others in that same way? If you felt bad with the last millionth of a second, well, let go of the things that were making you feel bad that millionth of a second and be new right this millionth of a second. If you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. This podcast is brought to you by our trusted friends at Organifi, the creators of the Organifi Gold, my number one turmeric lemon balm and superfood adaptogen bombshell that, trust me, will make you sleep like a baby. I know this because I use it on the regular. Not only is this one of my top sleep supplements I use personally, but also it helps my nervous system and my stomach calm down at the end of the day in the evenings, especially if I've had a stressful day. I know you have those too because you're human. (laughs) And because we're human, the best thing to do is take loving care of the human body, starting with quality sleep, not just quantity. This is going to allow you to have the highest quality of life possible. So if you've been struggling with sleep, give this superfood adaptogen powder, the Organifi Gold, a test drive for a special deal over at wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. Pick up a 30-day supply, give it a test drive. If you don't like it, you can send it back, but no one's ever done that, (laughs) as far as I've heard. 20% off is the biggest discount you'll find over the entire internet. We're grandfathered in. These savings are for you. Head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi and use the code wellnessforce. Share this with your friends, your family, and anyone who wants to drink the gold and sleep well. Hey, it's Josh Trent. This is Wellness Force, the place where you can 100% trust you will find the physical and emotional intelligence to live your life well and thrive in our modern world. The modern world is not what it used to be, by the way, and you know this on some deep level. It's definitely not what our grandparents or our ancestors lived upon, right? Things have changed so much with the advent of technology and the internet of things. It seems like there is a ridiculous, almost sometimes nauseating push from Silicon Valley companies and technology companies to jam technology down our throats at any cost. But there is a good side, a beautiful side of wellness technology. And let's face it, the technology is not going anywhere. So we all get to adapt and learn how to thrive and be in harmony with the internet and technology itself. I can think about when the Quakers in the early 1900s on their horses and buggies were demonizing the automobile. Well, they learned the lesson the hard way and we don't have to. But what if I told you that artificial intelligence and mental health and the future of our world can all blend together if we're just mature enough to be the arbiter of truth? In other words, what is the impact of artificial intelligence and technology for our mental health? We're going to explore this today 
and the answers will shock you in a good way. This is going to be quite a controversial episode filled with rich nuggets of wisdom and also intelligence that you most likely have not heard anywhere else. We're talking with my return guest, a friend of mine who's a background in being a former chief business officer for Google X, a serial entrepreneur and the author of Solve for Happy. Almost 30 years, my guest has been involved in technology and was inspired to take a different path by the death of his son, Ollie, who was lost by a preventable medical error during a simple surgical procedure. This changed his path forever, and now he helps others engineer their path for joy. His name is Mo Gaudat, and today he comes back on the podcast to talk about his new book, Scary Smart, the future of artificial intelligence and how you can save our world. And in this episode, we're going to explore why technology is putting our humanity at risk to an unprecedented degree. This book is not for engineers who write code or the policymakers who claim they can regulate it. This book is for you because believe it or not, you are the only one that can fix it. With your behaviors and your awareness, this is the only path for us to have mental health and sovereignty in a world of machines that is looming on the horizon. I don't mean like Terminator 2. Well, maybe I do. But look, one way we can connect to greater mental health is to feed our gut the right type of food. This is what I do on a daily basis. At about 3 p.m. or so, when I get that afternoon energy crash, I grab a couple of my favorite turkey sticks from our sponsor, Paleo Valley. Now, whether I'm taking my son or my partner out to the lake here in Austin or just being in the sun if I'm taking a walk, these turkey sticks digest super easy, super fast, and they're packed with gut-healthy nutrients. This creates a greater gut-brain axis so I can have mental health and feel satiated in the middle of the day instead of hangry. If you're wanting to eat more healthy and you're wanting to have a greater gut, start with the food you put in your mouth. Go to wellnessforce.com forward slash paleo valley. Use the code Josh, that's capital J-O-S-H, at wellnessforce.com forward slash paleo valley. You get 15% off your entire cart, not just the turkey sticks, but everything in the store. I love these things. You can also pick up some beef sticks, grab the jalapeno. The jalapeno is really good. And some ACV, the apple cider vinegar tablets, which I pop right after I eat the sticks. It helps regulate our blood sugar. That way you don't have any crashes. And I just want to thank you for supporting the show and supporting Paleo Valley. They believe in us. They believe in Wellness Force. They've been supporting us this year. And you can save money and eat healthy at the same time while you support the show. So it's like this triple win. Just head over to our store page, wellnessforce.com forward slash store. You can choose from any of the products you're already purchasing and get them at a huge discount. You're probably gonna get the biggest discount you find online. We made really special deals with all of these companies at wellnessforce.com forward slash store. And it keeps allowing us to bring you free, powerful content that actually moves you and unlocks your intelligence and your heart intelligence so you can live life well. Now, in the podcast today, you're going to learn not only how to find the silver lining during difficult times, but you'll also understand artificial intelligence's impact, both the good and the bad. You'll understand what DeepMind is, how this impacts our world, and we'll talk about AI, artificial intelligence, what this means for humanity's future. Mo gives us his thoughts on why he thinks machines feel more emotions than humans, which I disagree with. But it's cool to hear his side of the story because it's fascinating. We'll talk about the three inevitables of artificial intelligence, how the double-edged sword of technology can actually allow us to parent and raise the machines, the artificial intelligence, we can raise these machines because we must accept the momentum of technology. It's the only way we can make global change happen. And I believe if we can be in harmony with the machines and in harmony with this technology, rather than fighting it, we can achieve the tipping point 
for our great spiritual awakening. Let's tune in with Mo right here, right now on Wellness Force. Mo, welcome back to Wellness Force. It's been five years and we have a lot to talk about. But first of all, I just want to say, I asked you before we recorded, I said, where do you live? You said, that's a bad question because I travel where I feel called to live. You're like, my coffee is in Dubai, but your soul travels around. And it's interesting because in your book, Scary Smart, if you're watching with us on YouTube, this is the book we're talking about. Uh, It is 300 plus pages of profound wisdom when it comes to AI and how we can actually save the world from it or with it. We're going to explore that today. Oh, yeah. But Mo, thank you for coming on the show. I guess look back, you know, in the past five years, what are you the most surprised by since we interviewed last in 2017? Gosh, it's hard to believe. I'm surprised that it's been four years to start. I mean, like, can you believe that? It's been four years since we recorded last time. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm very, very happy for how far you've come and, uh, you know, the amount uh, of people that you affect the life of positively. So Thank you. well done, my friend. Amazing. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I've actually been, sur- I think the one thing that surprised me most in the last four years would probably be how uh, people reacted to COVID-19. Uh, you know, I, it is one of the most intriguing questions because lockdowns in general, I'm not talking about governments and reactions and vaccines. I'm not in that story at all. But, uh, if you take lockdowns in general, uh, you can easily see that people were in one of two camps, people, either people loved it, like totally said, oh my God, this is an amazing opportunity to see my family and to reflect and to skip the commute and to save the planet a little bit. And other people like went mad. Basically, they were like, what are you asking me to do? Are you saying I should spend time with uh, me? I can't do that. I can't spend time with me. I can't, you know, I can't find that silence or that reflection. And a lot of people got really really, really, uh, uh, you know, felt very down by this. And, and it's, it just goes back to the core of my work, if you want, that it is not what life gives you. It's the way you think about what life gives you that shapes every part of your life. And, mm. you know, you, you know, some of us, of course, uh, can, can see the silver lining if you want in everything. And of course, COVID-19 wasn't easy and we lost people we love and, and it's, you know, it's just not what we would want, but, you know, there is there seems to be a way for some people to be able to find the silver lining even in something like this and make it work for their benefit, while others would continue to suffer, whether it's there or not. Yes, that's fascinating because there is two sides, just like there is ultimately in singularity or in duality, there's the singularity, which Ray Kurzweil talks about on the technological <laughs> front. Ooh. But I think what you're what you're proposing is there's literally like a recipe or uh, an ingredient list for happiness, which we talked about last time. This is episode 116, How to Engineer Your Path to Joy. That was the last time that we got to riff on a podcast. And you bring up a great point because, you know, we can either be a slave to what happens to us or we can be the master or masterful about what's happening for us. And I really feel that from you. And it's interesting, like, you know, maybe a good starting place in this conversation, Mo, is to talk about how this book came through. This is Scary Smart. There's a big part of my heart that kind of loves technology. Like I enjoy certain things about it, but mm-hmm. man, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, oh, and totally. I think about how many guests, Mo, we've had on the show, uh, Kevin Kelly, and many people like him that believe that technology is actually the technium. It's consciousness expressing itself 
through technology. You said in your book that the computer used to be the smartest slave, but now with AI around the year 2000, Mm -hmm. we gave computers their own ability for deep learning. Um, Mm -hmm. For people that don't know anything about that, what is deep learning and how do you define the technium? You know, what does technology mean to you emotionally, physically, spiritually, even financially? So two big questions to start us off. Let's start with what is technology, because I think that's really the core of everything that's happening in our life today. I mean, our life today is completely shaped by something we call technology, completely in every possible way. Everything that you dealt with today is a bit of science fiction. Okay. And it doesn't take long. You just, you just go back to 2004 and remember how a minority report was, or go back to iRobot and the self-driving car in 2007. And, you know, um, Star Trek in the sixties and seventies with the tablets and the universal translators and all of that. It's, it's just crazy how much of what we saw in science fiction became part of our life today. And yes. I think, and I think the, 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 the scariest thing, Josh, is that the easiest way to hide something is to keep it in plain sight, okay? Uh, and, and you know, I, I basically believe that the biggest pandemic facing humanity is technology, and we don't talk about it because it is in plain sight. Now, um, technology has always been a dumb slave, very, very capable of doing the job over and over and over and over, uh, but it never really had free will. It never had the ability to develop. It never had the ability to evolve. It never had the ability to make its own decision. It never had the ability to talk to other uh, beings of its kind and uh, and uh, and cooperate. Okay, and uh, and now it does. Uh, by by the turn uh, of the millennium, what ended up happening is that after uh, around fifty years of uh, uh, grueling attempts to make computers intelligent, uh, we ended up finding the break, uh, the breakthrough, and the breakthrough is deep learning. And deep learning is a form of pattern recognition. If we were to simplify the conversation today, it's a form of pattern recognition that allows computers to learn uh, simply like a child learns. You know, when you give your children those little puzzles of wooden pieces that have to fit within specific um, shaped holes and and they try to fit them in, there is no no prescriptive way that you can tell the child, okay, so you're going to hold the uh, wooden peg uh, that looks like a four lines and then you're going to turn it 30 degrees. That's how we programmed computers. You basically give them the square peg and give them the, the shapes and they will try and try until they find the right answer. Okay, And when they find the right answer, they develop intelligence. Uh, Since we found deep learning, we allowed computers to try and try and try until they found way too many answers. Okay, Uh, And and the truth is today, uh, they are smarter than us in everything that we assign to them. And they are autonomous and more independent than us. I mean, when you think about it, your ad engine on Google is defining every commercial uh, inclination that you may get without knowing because they decide what to show you. Uh, Your recommendation engine on Instagram is defining uh, your views of the world entirely because they decide uh, what it is that you should be seeing based Mm -hmm. on what they think you should be seeing. But that's not only you, that's you and maybe four to five billion other people every minute of every day. Okay, and and when you think of it this way, that basically means that we are now in a duality, if you want, in a world where uh, where there are two uh, beings 
competing for the leadership of the superpower that defined uh, the ascent of humanity, okay? And we're losing. Uh, we, re- we already lost, okay? Uh, uh, if, if, if what created humanity's civilization and safety and, you know, all of the amazing uh, things that you and I enjoy today, including the ability to speak over Zoom, across miles to record this and then share it with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people on little devices uh, across the world, uh, this, uh, you know, was because we were intelligent as a species. Uh, you know, we kicked the tigers out of our cities because we were intelligent as species. We stocked the supermarkets because we were intelligent as species. Of course, because we are not very intelligent, we harmed the planet on the path. Uh, but now, uh, that's it. There is another being that is more intelligent and nobody talks about it. And, and that really is why I call the book Scary Smart, because the scary bit, if, the, if AI will be scary, is contested. It could be scary and it could be our best ally. Uh, but the scary bit is that nobody talks about this. Hmm. Nobody is bringing up the topic of our uh, future changing beyond recognition within a few years from today. Yes. And you have deep experience with this 20 businesses plus, right? Health and fitness and food and beverage. You're, you're like the serial entrepreneur, your time at Google X. I mean, when you look back, did you see four warnings of this? It's like, we have the tides that come in and out. We know when it's going to be low and high tide because we've created maps because we study nature. So there's wisdom in nature, but the wisdom that we find in technology is fundamentally different than the laws of nature. Good example might be in capitalism, there is a year over year growth that is constant. It is expected, but in nature, everything has a cycle of life and death. Mm. So how do you contrast that? I mean, how do you take the laws of nature and apply them to the laws of AI and even AI for humanity? Is there even such a thing? Oh, <laughs> oh, these are many, many, many questions. I don't know where to mm-hmm, start. Mm-hmm. Let, let, me, let me start by saying, uh, did, did I observe this? No, it took me seven years to, for, to, to see it, okay? And understand, uh, it took me seven years, again, when it's hidden in plain sight. So the, the first, the first uh, now that I look at them, I, re- I remember the milestones that completely shaped my view of the topic. Huh? I left Google in 2018 with the intention of writing this book and spreading the word. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but it took me uh, a very, very long time to actually see it. And the first time I saw AI really, really uh, eye op- in an eye-opening way was in 2009 when Google published a white paper uh, that spoke about something that was called unprompted AI at the time. We took a few computers and we uh, used the spare capacity of Google to ask them to watch YouTube, okay? So, yeah, we just basically said, yeah, take YouTube videos, turn them into frames every, t- you know, 10 frames per second and look at them and see if you find anything, okay? Uh, unprompted. We didn't say what they should look for. We just said, Tell us if you find anything. Of course, as you can imagine, uh, a, a while later, one of them came back and said, I found something that appears to be very well repeated across the uh, that YouTube thing of yours, and it was a cat. Okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, it wasn't- Sadly, cat views are the most. 
compared to yeah. consciousness on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, but, but but also you know notice how clever that thing that machine is because it found it right and mm-hmm. and and basically it said uh, it didn't just recognize a picture of a cat or a view a certain view of a cat it recognized the being called a cat. So if the cat was jumping, eating, you know, uh, running, uh, facing you, side view doesn't matter. It actually recognized that thing. So we said call it a cat, and within you know no time at all. They found every cat on YouTube, and then this, using the same form of intelligence, they found every red car, every yellow car, every nudity, every 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 everything. Now, at the time, of course, a geek like myself, I was fascinated, right? Because remember, my original life when I was you know younger, when I started to code, I coded in you know simple languages from Basic to Pascal to Fortran to you know uh, RPG to all of the languages of the 70s to the 90s, if you want. Okay, and you you used to write. 80,000 lines of code to get the computer to do anything. And the computer would have to do it, you know, uh, um, um, instruction by instruction accurately every time. And if you made a mistake with one letter in the 80,000 lines, uh, you got one very, very dreaded message back that said, uh, did not compile. And, And that was it. Right, And so to see that computers could learn on their own, by the way, that way they were actually writing their own code, uh, of how to find something. Uh, I was fascinated. It didn't really, you know, trigger anything. Uh, the second experience was DeepMind. When Google acquired DeepMind, I, you know, Demis, who uh, who is the CEO of DeepMind, an amazing human being. Can you share it, for people that don't know what DeepMind is? That's really important. DeepMind is, in my view, one of the, you know, most... The, the the smartest group of AI developers on the planet, a, a British based company that uh, that was acquired by Google, uh, and and you know basically at the time they were working on a project called DeepQ, and DeepQ was to teach computers how to play Atari games, basically develop intelligence by asking computers to play Atari games. And Demis stands in front of all of us in a small circle of, uh, you know, senior executives at Google and shows his work. And he, if you remember the game, the Atari game Breakout, which had those bricks at the top and you had a bat at the bottom and Mm -hmm. you hit a ball and, you know, the ball would hit the bricks and they disappear. Uh, And he said, uh, we... uh, uh, we we gave the computer nothing but access to the controls and the pixels on the screen, okay? And then we allowed them to train for an hour, but there were multiple computers training. So I think they played, I don't, don't quote me on the number, but they played, you know, a few hundred games, right? And he showed us and yeah, the computer actually played really well. It was playing like an, a beginner, maybe hitting 40% of the balls, Right. And I was fascinated. And then um, uh, he said, but then we trained it for another hour. Okay. And within that other hour, he showed us the video and the computer uh, basically had, uh, you couldn't see the ball from how fast it was. And it could hit every single wall, every, every single brick and every single ball. And, 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 and now I'm like, really, you know, this is geek heaven. Hmm? Uh, and, and then he said, and, we, and then we trained it for another hour, okay? And within that third hour, the machine started to learn strategy. So it started to understand that if you actually hit the ball 
to the brick on the corner and have a little opening and, you know, slide the ball on the top, you don't have to do a lot of effort and you're much more likely to finish the game quickly. Now, with that, I, instead of panicking, I jumped up and down in, uh, you know, dancing about how amazing humanity uh, is progressing, okay? And it just doesn't hit you. It doesn't hit you that, oh my God, what are we doing here? Three hours of training and it is the absolute world champion of something that we've assigned to it. Mm-hmm. And, and it just doesn't hit you. And I, I will have to tell you openly, it's not hitting most of the people that are building AI, that they are making us obsolete. It's as simple as that. Okay? Yes. The, 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 the smartest being on the planet today is a machine in every task we've ever assigned to a machine. The world uh, 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 champion in chess is a machine. The world champion in Go is AlphaGo by DeepMind. The world champion uh, of Jeopardy is Watson, the IBM computer. Uh, The best driver on the planet is a self-driving car. The best surveillance officer is a camera connected to AI. I can go on for hours. The best of everything that we've assigned to a machine is a machine, okay? And the question is, uh, when will they become the best on everything? Ray Kurzweil says 2029. Ray Kurzweil has been accurate so far. Okay, I'm actually completely in agreement. By 2029, the smartest in being on the face of planet Earth is not going to be a human anymore. Okay. Now, we have to start asking ourselves, what does that mean? What does that mean when we who have only used our intelligence as superpower to build everything that you and I are used to, uh, what does it mean when we are no longer the smartest being on the planet? Because that's the topic that needs to be spoken about. You go in depth in the book about this. There's no surprise that it's called scary smart. But I have to ask you this. What is the key difference between intelligence, which you read about page 27, you say, um, actually, I have it right here. You say those with the highest intelligence uh, rule their world. Define intelligence because intelligence is way different than being smart. Somebody can be smart. Somebody can have PhDs on the wall and you know uh, degrees from Stanford and just be incredibly smart. But intelligence is much different. Intelligence is something that we're both born with and that we acquire over time. But how do you see this? You know, scary smart. The title. What's the difference between smart? And intelligence. So, so intelligence, if you want, uh, the dictionary definition would be a process through which you can solve problems and create progress, if you want, right? Uh, and and yeah, smarts are one of the tools of intelligence. You know, intuition could be another way. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there are many forms of intelligence that we humanity sadly are not. Um, are not prioritizing in the modern world. Let's just put it this way. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now, the, the 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 idea with intelligence is if it's a process of solving problems and creating, uh, uh, you know, and, and 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 making progress, then it needs to be paired with a few other things. It needs to be paired with autonomy to be able to make those decisions. It needs to be paired with uh, um, agency to be able to affect those decisions somewhere. Okay, and you know it needs to be able to. to it needs to be paired with some instinctive uh, uh, characters, such as you know, um, uh, you know, self-preservation, uh, resource allocation, aggregation, or you know, or creativity. Hmm? Now, 
if we if we take any of this and apply it to uh, our arrogance, we would think that we are the only intelligent being on the planet. Uh, but you know, you watch something like my octopus teacher, and you realize that we're not. You know, there are different forms of intelligence. Uh, you you take this and you apply it to our uh, hyper masculine view of uh, of reality. And you think that analytical intelligence is the only form of intelligence, when in reality, people like you and I, who are open to uh, to, uh, to 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 embrace our feminine side, would realize that intuition or you know connection to a higher intelligence could be hmm. a much much better way to be intelligent. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, what a beautiful way to describe it. And I know I cut you off there. I just had to jump in real quick, like this discovery process, Mo, of physical and emotional intelligence. Oh yeah, it takes it takes masculine and feminine energies, and those exist regardless of your gender. They they Absolutely. exist in both of us at all times. So yeah. so please go back because you're about to round out this smart versus intelligence. I love no, no, when no, you no. said, I love no. when you said that somebody who's autonomous, mm-hmm. that has the agency, and that has the smartness is really the tools of intelligence. Are there any other mm. tools of intelligence? Uh, awareness is the highest tool of intelligence. So, so I, you know, I, I'm the topic of fe- feminine intelligence and masculine intelligence, by the way, is the story of my life for the last five and a half years. So I have been investing nothing more in myself than to enable my I- I feminine side. And I know this is my masculine side speaking, but I measured and I believe that I'm 58% feminine. Okay. Yes, I'm. Yeah, which I is very it. masculine. A masculine way of. That's a very masculine answer about your feminine yeah, percentage. Yeah, 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 but 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 you see, actually, when I started to enable or empower my feminine side, all I had was my highly skewed, uh, modern world destroyed masculine side. Mm. I, I I had to use my masculine side to try and discover that very weak muscle of me, if you want. Okay, and and the truth is, um, you know. Uh, um, we, the masculine side of our planet, which sadly is going to be programming AI, just so that we are aware. And, you know, the masculine side of our planet, which sadly is presenting the patterns from which AI will be learning, uh, is um, is very good at doing, okay? It's just very crappy at finding out what should be done. You know, when I when I speak about intelligence as the reason for humanity to arrive at where it is today, uh, it's true, okay? It's just that our limited intelligence paid the planet as a price, paid uh, you know uh, uh, equality and justice as the price. So, so the masculine is very good at doing. It's just not good at determining what good is, mm. uh, because that requires intuition. It requires uh, oneness, you know, a feeling of oneness with the rest of the world, inclusion. It requires empathy. It requires ma- many many qualities that are all on the feminine side. Okay, and and if you if you don't get those, then you choose to do things the wrong way, and sadly, this is the way we're programming the machines. No, we're not programming the machines. This is the way we're leading the machines to be. Okay, so so when you are saying uh, what other tools of intelligence, the most important tool of intelligence is awareness. Mm-hmm. Awareness basically tells you, I have seen a full picture of the problem at hand before I even start to solve it, okay? And, and without that feminine, our awareness is also on the feminine side of, uh, 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 of our qualities as, uh, as, uh, as human beings because it requires you to be 
able to, uh, to, 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 to connect to the rest of being so that you can become fully aware. And without that awareness, your intelligence becomes very limited, very, very uh, uh, ill-informed, let's put it this way. And yeah, and I think uh, the key actually to my answer of everything about Scary Smart, maybe we should talk a little more about the scary side before we talk about the, the answer side, uh, is actually that we be, I believe that we could use the, 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 the awareness of the machines to realize that humanity is not as horrible as it seems to be. Yeah, there is a scary part of this too, which you know, I really want to challenge you on here. You say in your book that intelligent machines will feel more emotions than we can ever feel. Mm -hmm. So, if, you know, initially when I read that and I was preparing for our talk, I thought about how is this possible? Mm -hmm. But then I realized that we have this model in our community that I've taught on for about four years now, and it's BTFA, Belief, Thought, mm -hmm. Feeling, Action. Mm -hmm. And of course, on the other physical side, we have our, you know, our breath, our, our sleep, our movement and our hydration and nutrition. So it's eat, move and sleep. So we have these big seven pillars that we're constantly going over. And to me, I'm like, how is it possible that a machine could actually feel something in the way that a human being could feel it? And I'm really, I'm on the fence here because there is a part of me that understands we are just essentially signals, right? Like my brain has afferent and efferent signals that go to it mm -hmm. into all the different arterioles and the sensing pieces <laughs> on my skin. I have the photoreceptors on my skin. I know when it's light outside, there's so many processes that essentially make us kind of a computer, but mm -hmm. there's one key difference, Mo, and this is what I want to get your experience on here, especially in, in how much time it took you to write this book. Like what is the key difference between how a human being feels something or emotes and how a artificial intelligence or computer <coughs> feels that or emotes that very same thing? I don't think it's any different between humans, uh, octopus, um, cats or machines. Okay, so so the, the the thing about emotions is that we believe they're very erratic and very unexplainable, and you know the the truth is emotions are highly predictable. Let me leave a caveat that we can come back to later, with the exception of one emotion that is called unconditional love. Okay, uh, so so every other emotion can be described so accurate accurately with an engineering process. And accordingly, accordingly with an equation. So uh, in, in Scary Smart, I talk about this very clearly in chapter six by saying, look, um, uh, fear is an emotion that is highly predictable. It basically says uh, my sense of my state of safety at a moment in the future, call it T1, is less than my sense of safety right now, T0. Okay. So the difference between my safety at T0 and my safety at, at T1 okay, is basically the amount of fear I will fear. It's a very straightforward. Huh? Now, I can be afraid, a cat can be afraid, and a machine can be afraid if it, if it follows that logic. And every emotion you've ever felt hmm, is triggered with that thought, okay? Uh, you know, of course, if you're really into neuroscience, you would understand that first your amygdala uh, triggers something that basically makes you afraid first. And then mm -hmm. your brain actually looks at it and says, yeah, yeah, I have absolutely every right to be afraid. Let me run. Okay. But at the end of the day, there is in that feedback loop, which is a second from sensing an event. Okay. Uh, is, is where you decide whether you should be afraid or not through a thought. 
Okay. Panic as a, as a, as an emotion is very straightforward. It is that moment T1 where my safety is less than T0 is imminent. It's very, very near. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, uh, anxiety is very straightforward. I, I am certain that T1 will happen, but I'm not equipped to deal with it. Depending on the level of trauma that someone is quote programmed with, right? Of course. Capital T, lowercase t trauma. I mean, if we're going to go the computer analogy, like we're being programmed by what happens to us or for us. Absolutely. So we, uh, that's a, a great thing to come back to because it's not only, uh, 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 you know, the, the reality of life. It's our perceptions of the reality of life. It's the way we learned to react to the realities of life and so on. But, but take it this way. A, a goldfish panics and when it panics, it runs away. A puffer fish panics and when it panics, it puffs. Right? A, an octopus panics, and when it panics, it, it, it throws ink. A cat panics, and when it panics, it you know jumps. Hmm? And we panic, and what do we do when we panic? We either run away or we fight. Right now, the 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 reaction is different, hmm? but the uh, the scope of uh, the, the the emotion is the same, and so we expect that the machine will panic. If someone is walking to a machine, planning to unplug it. The machine will, and the machine recognizes this, it will, it will panic, right? How it will react may be different. It may replicate its software everywhere on, on the internet as a result, okay? Instead of puffing like a puffer fish. Now, you said, but how can they feel? So, so it, granted, I will tell you, the machines will be emotional, okay? They will fear, they will feel every emotion I can guarantee you other than unconditional love, which is possible, but I don't know how to guarantee that because Unconditional love doesn't follow logic, okay? It simply says, you know, I, I love Josh. It doesn't mean if I don't meet him for five years, uh, where, you know, there is, no, there is no thing that affects the unconditional love. Unconditional love exists. It, it just is. Now, um, uh, your, your question was, how can they feel more than us? Just take the same comparison. Huh? Cats can panic. They can feel fear. They may feel hunger, whatever right? But they don't feel hope. Hmm? They don't feel, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, um, I don't know, melancholy, what is it called? Uh, Melancholy. Melancholy, right? Uh, They, uh, you know, the more, because emotions are are triggered by thoughts, the more capable of you are, you are of thinking, hmm? the more, you know, spectrum of emotion you will find. Uh, and, and so if those machines are smarter than us, by definition, as you follow in, you know, extrapolate that chart of surely cats feel more emotions than a, a fly, and then surely we feel more emotions than cats, then surely a more intelligent being will feel more emotions than us. Okay. Uh, it, it, does it make any difference? No, not really. Right. What makes a difference is how we react to those emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and this is truly, I think, the turning point in my book is the idea that those machines will react to those emotions, not through their intelligence, okay? They react to those emotions through their code of conduct, through their ethics. Is that essentially like a prefrontal cortex for an AI? Yeah, if you want to, to compare to the prefrontal cortex, you'll be very scared, okay? Because think about it this way. Every time we've programmed a child, hmm, we've programmed it by uh, neuro, through, through neuroplasticity, by the concept of neurons that fire together, wire together, 
right? So you build a little experiment. The experiment, uh, you know, is experienced by the child. The child takes that and codes it in their brain uh, using a, a configuration of neurons as this is what I feel when my mommy goes and walks in, right? Uh, we're doing the same in the way we're teaching AI, okay? But we're doing the same with infinite neurons, infinite. So infinite processing power, infinite memory capacity that extends to the history of all humanity, infinite access to knowledge that is basically the entire internet, and infinite ability to communicate between them, which you and I don't have. You, you and I, for me to explain Scary Smart to you, Josh, you had to read it in several hours. And you and I, now that we're explaining it to our listeners, we have to do that over several hours, right? A machine can consume the entire book in a millisecond, right? Now, we, we, we take those things for granted. But this the reality of this is that we're actually not building several intelligent machines. We're not. We're building one big artificially intelligent, connected infant. Every one of those machines call it one uh, uh, neuro, a neural network, call it, call it one character of a human, one part of the intelligence of a human. And so other, unlike you and I, so if we're driving, okay, and you're on, I don't know, this road, and you realize that there is something around the corner and you avoid an accident, you learn... I don't, okay? If a self-driving car is around that corner and it avoids a ca an accident, every self-driving car on the planet learns. This is enormously uh, uh, um, exponential in terms of its impact on learning. Mm. There's so much here. I mean, like, good Lord. There's no way we're going to be able to cover all of this uh, <laughs> in an hour or an hour and a half podcast. Like, in Scary Smart, one of the things that I loved... That also scared the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you said there's three inevitables. You know, mm -hmm. one, AI will happen. It already is here. Number two, AI will be smarter than humans, which I believe you already said has happened and definitely by 2029. And then also the third inevitable is that mistakes are going to happen yeah. and bad things are going to happen. And I, and I yeah. go back to this because I feel like in the same chamber of awareness lives yourself and Kevin Kelly. And I remember Kevin on the show, he told me something really, really interesting. He said, if the technium is consciousness experiencing itself, then essentially we could be moving towards this real singularity that Kurzweil talks about. But in that singularity, all there will be is love, is consciousness. Do you hmm. believe that we're on that path? Or do you believe that we're on a different path based on the intelligence and really the heart and the love of whoever's coding these AIs? Ayurvedic medicine, as well as all the ancient and contemporary masters in health and wellness have taught us for centuries about the powerful benefits of apple cider vinegar. But what do we do when we want to take the ACV, but we don't want to expose our teeth to acids? Most people don't know this, but apple cider vinegar is an acid and prolonged exposure to acids can damage your teeth. So how do we get in the brain boosting, blood sugar stabilization, stamina, focused energy and healing powers of this ACV without ruining the enamel on our teeth? This is where it gets easy with our partner, Paleo Valley, creators of the apple cider vinegar complex taken easily in tablet form without busting your tooth enamel. Paleo Valley created the ACV complex to meet getting organic apple cider vinegar into your body 
easy, fast, and without having to tolerate the taste, you know, that kind of like, (laughs) have you ever done a shot of apple cider vinegar? I know a lot of people that literally just can't handle the taste. So this is all your organic turmeric, ginger, Ceylon cinnamon, and lemon on top of the organic apple cider vinegar combined with these superfoods. It's nature's way of saying you're welcome. ACV can stabilize blood sugar, promote weight loss, and improve protein absorption and digestion, as well as the big one, stopping heartburn symptoms. Heartburn symptoms are typically caused by too little stomach acid, not really too much. This apple cider vinegar complex makes getting this organic ACV into your body fast and easy and without having to choke on the taste of normal ACV. You can do this. Head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash paleo valley. Use the code Josh and get 15% off your apple cider vinegar complex. That's wellnessforce.com forward slash paleo valley. Use the code Josh to get 15% off your ACV complex. Do you believe that we're on that path or do you believe that we're on a different path based on the intelligence and really the heart and the love of whoever's coding these AIs? It has nothing to do with the people who are coding them, but yes, we are we're heading to that destination. We haven't yet determined the path. Let, let me explain that. I believe we will end up in a utopia, whichever way uh, life takes us in, say, 70 years, right? Uh, will AI crush 90% of us on the path or will it hug us and embrace us and make us you know, live a better life on the path? That's the question. Okay, so so the, the reality is, and let me get to the end very quickly here. The reality is, I, have, I may have mentioned, we have built our civilization because of our intelligence. We've destroyed the planet and everything in it because of our limited intelligence. Okay, we're not really as smart as we think we are. Let's just put it this way. Now, if a being is more intelligent than us, Hmm? that being eventually will reach what I call the ultimate intelligence. And the ultimate intelligence is what? It's the intelligence of life itself. Okay. And the intelligence of life itself is all about live and let live. Look at nature. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, a tiger never hunts more than it needs to eat. It hunts the weakest in the pack so that the rest of the pack can procreate and and nature can, 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 you know, uh, uh, grow and prosper. This is the this is true intelligence. The only being that is smart enough to lead, but stupid enough to kill everything else is us. Because if we were intelligent enough, we we would find ways to deliver an apple to my home without having to use single uh, use plastic. Okay, it's just that we're not intelligent enough. If we were intelligent enough, we would find ways to create mobility without having to destroy the planet. But don't you also believe that our intelligence could be blunted? or overshadowed by this syrupy sweet nectar of greed? Well, greed is up to your intelligence to decide, right? So I, 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 I don't know how to say this diplomatically. So I, I, I had a very unusual life. I came from Egypt, okay? And I was born and raised in Egypt, wonderful, kind father, middle-class family, huh? uh, educated in Egypt. My ultimate lifetime dream was to become a sales manager in IBM where I started, okay? And then look at me. I had all of the money in the world hmm? and, you know, became chief business officer of Google X and was very, very successful. And what did I do? I followed with my limited intelligence the lie that was given to me. 
Hmm? I bought cars and fancy cars and, you know, wore Armani suits and stupid, stupid waste of my life, right? Until with enough time and experience and reflection, I could realize that, yeah, you know, greed is actually greed or ego or these are actually not the things I want to be happy. Okay. And these things are not making me happy. When, when someone double clicks on my, you know, butt shot in, on Instagram because it's so cute and, you know, it's not even really my butt. It's just, you know, turned in a very specific way. It's not on I, your channel, is it? You're not putting your butt on your channel. I wish I could. I swear to you, I wish I could. Because in all honesty, Josh, those of us who are, you, you said it, YouTube has more cats than it has conscious videos, mm -hmm. okay? One of the biggest challenges we have in our world today, and I'll come back to this when we talk about, you know, our answer to AI, is that the conscious ones have pulled out, okay? We are not there, not enough of us are there to show the world what humanity, the essence of humanity is all about. But let, let's go back to, to, uh, to where we were. Now, the three inevitables are very straightforward. And, and I think this is a very good, important starting point to the conversation, okay? As I said, the easiest thing to do to hide something is to put it in plain sight. Mm -hmm. These are what's known as platitudes, these beautiful platitudes that we all yes. see. Exactly, right? So you, you, you put them out there and you don't notice them anymore. Now, my three inevitables are very straightforward. Inevitable one is AI will happen. There is no way to stop it. Inevitable two is that AI will be smarter than us. And inevitable three is that things, bad things will happen. Now, let's take them one by one. Do you believe that AI will happen? Yes, it already happened. Okay, you've interacted with it a hundred times today without knowing that you're interacting with it and it's not going to be stopped. The reason it's not going to be stopped is not because of technology, not only because we found that technology breakthrough, but because of game theory, right? Uh, you know, uh, China will continue to develop AI because they're worried that America will, be, will beat them in their artificial intelligence development. Google will continue to develop AI to beat Facebook and every startup will continue to develop AI because the investor wants to put, want to put in the money. Now, and this is that masculine it, lens that you talked about where there's always absolute completion. No, but, but yeah, and, and, and sadly, even if we humanity manage to get together and do something like the nuclear weapon, uh, uh, you know, agreements that we, that we built, which by the way, is what the way uh, Elon Musk uh, on his Joe Rogan uh, interview, uh, you know, exp expressed uh, his view about AI. He said that it is more dangerous to humanity than nuclear weapons, right? Uh, even if we get together and stop uh, AI at the big level, the truth is that most of us at the, you know, the, most of AI can be developed by a couple of kids in a garage. Okay. So it is going to continue to be developed. There is absolutely no way we can stop it. And all of us spiritual people understand that a big part of, of, of winning in life is to accept what you cannot change. Okay. The truth is AI will happen. The genie is out of the bottle and those machines will be part of our life. They already are part of our life. Mm -hmm. Inevitable too is hard to believe, okay? Because we've never seen a world where something was smarter than humans. Hmm? But Ray Kurzweil's prediction, and I totally support it, is through the law of accelerating returns, AI will be smarter than humans. The, the smartest being on the planet will be a machine by 2029. I haven't heard that wrong. That, that is eight years from today, okay? Eight years from today, and uh, what we have today is 
what we call artificial special intelligence or narrow intelligence. So, you know, you teach them to play chess and they become the best at that. You teach them to, to do character recognition and translation and they do the best at that, okay? Artificial general intelligence is when they start to to connect and, and communicate and, and be, you know, there becomes one AI that's smarter than a human in everything, okay? That is expected to be eight years away. Now, if that's not shocking enough and a wake-up call enough to, for us to, to start actually thinking deeply about this, the bigger wake-up call is the second prediction of Ray uh, Kurzweil's, which is by 2045, I'm, I'm predicting 2049 just to take a breath in the middle, okay? By 2045, uh, AI will be a billion times smarter than humans. Now, a billion times is comparable to the intelligence of Einstein as compared to a fly, okay? And the question is, how do we convince Einstein not to crush the fly? You know, how, how do we convince Einstein that there is no point in crushing the fly? That actually the fly, annoying as it is, hmm, uh, is actually worth keeping. That's you and I were very annoying as, mm. as, you know, as humanity. And then the third inevitable, and I hope we don't stick too much to the scary bits, but the, thir the third inevitable is that things, bad things will happen, but not, not the stuff that you see in, you know, uh, um, um, Robocop or iRobot or the science fiction movies. I don't think we will, we will live long enough to get there. And if we actually get there, then we have achieved the utopia. There will be no need for the machines to be against us right? The, the, the bad things that will happen are simple. Huh? If AI can solve climate change with its intelligence, it can also create a biological uh, uh, weapon of a virus that we cannot deal with, okay? If, you know, if, if AI can, uh, you know, can uh, unite humanity, it can also separate humanity. It can also, uh, you know, uh, um, 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 you know, th th there are criminals out there that will find ways to use AI for cyber uh, crime or for, you know, identity theft or for finding the codes of something that they shouldn't, okay? Of course. <laughs> and, and, and that is scary because a good machine on the side of a bad person is a very bad machine. Okay. Even good machines against each other is a very bad scenario. Everyone in business remembers, you know, Black Monday, 1987, when machine trading collapses the market and we catch it when the Dow Jones is down to 22.6%, right? Today, most of trading, which is an important part of our economy, is happening by machines versus machines. Okay. No human can ever engage in the middle of that process to say, consult with me before you make a trade. We're too slow. Okay, uh, you know, and, and when you really, really start to think about those things, that means machines versus machines are making decisions on, on our behalf and, and they're making decisions on our behalf already. What yes. you saw on Instagram today, okay, was dictated to you by a machine. I think many of us are feeling the depth of what you're speaking because this is the part of the scary. And of course, there's a solution too. There's a loving side. You know, yeah. there are things that you write about in the book that are incredibly inspiring. But like you had said, and like we all feel, if unless we have awareness of what yeah. is truly here, like taking, I guess you could call this like a deep breath and a deep emotional inventory of what is actually here for us without bypassing, without trying to put our head in the sand. So many people in the world right now just have absolutely no idea the no really idea. severity of what's going on. Think of it like a, like a tree root. And the reason I'm saying this is because I can only imagine, Mo, what our ancestors felt like. You know, the Native Americans, when they basically were almost completely extinct 
yeah. by our progression out West starting in 1776 and onward. I feel like that's what's happening to us now. And I, and I do feel a sadness. There's a part of my heart and soul that feels the sadness of life without AI, of life without technology, you know, like just being a kid and being out in nature and enjoying the breeze. Like these are the things that we honestly have to have a pause and, and really some space to grieve the life that was pre AI. How do you feel about that? I, it's a double edged sword, Josh. I think, I think the truth is you and I are having this wonderful conversation because of technology. There is, you know, the, the, the turning point in the book that completely flipped my view of everything upside down was a sentence that I wrote with, where, where I basically said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the machines. Absolutely nothing wrong with the machines. But there is a lot wrong with us. Okay? Technology has always been a double-edged sword. You can, you can walk at five kilometers an hour or you can drive a car at 300 kilometers an hour. You know, I, you can use this microphone so that we get a reasonable clarity for, for people listening to us or I can use it to hit you on the head. Is it the problem of the microphone? It's not. The microphone is doing what we're asking the microphone well, the to core, do. Well, the core problem is consciousness. That's the core problem. The, 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 the core problem at the very... Um, at the very uh, core of humanity, I think extends one layer deep than consciousness, which is ethics and aligning to what truly makes us human, okay? We took, of what makes us human, there are many uh, vices and many virtues, okay? Uh, we took a few of those vices, hmm? uh, particularly ego and greed, I believe, Okay, and made them the descriptive characters of the modern world that we live in. That, this is the truth of humanity today. Uh, the truth of humanity today, if you asked me, is that we prioritize things we don't need over things that actually are the core of who we are. Hmm? And, and, and I will openly say, going back to the same conversation, and we do it in a hyper-masculine way. And so you give a hyper-masculine being the, the, the task of doing something and it, doesn't, it does it really well and it does a lot of it and it does it all the time, okay? But the truth is we don't need any of this. And if you actually had allowed a bit more feminine into our world today, it would say, why are we doing this? Why are we, bu why are we building you know, an, an, an iPhone 17 on the expense of a tree when we actually need the tree a lot more than the iPhone 17. Oh. So consciousness is a layer of becoming aware of how bad we've come. Uh, uh, um, you know, but, but it is, it needs to be backed up with a code of ethics that goes beyond just what is legal into what is needed for the planet to survive. How do we be the arbiter of that, both as a society and also as a singular consciousness? I mean, it couldn't be a deeper question, really. Like, how do we how do we be the arbiter of the truth that's going to drive AI in a conscious way, in a loving way, in a productive way, in a healthy way yeah. versus the masculine angle, the lens taking over? And I'm not here to demonize masculine energy. I'm just no, saying no, no, we, no, we are in this the place. At all. Right. The, we are in absolutely. this place. Because, you know, masculine energy helps to build bridges, but also Absolutely. feminine energy uh, cools the sweat on our shoulders at the top of a mountain. So we need all these things. So how do we move forward yeah. with that arbiter of, of true love? Maybe it's unconditional. I'm not sure. I'd love your clarity on that. 
So, 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 so just to, to reaffirm what you said, it's the key. Huh? There is nothing wrong with, with our mas- uh, masculinity. It's just the absence or the, or the imbalance, if you want. Right. You need a bit of this and a bit of that. And, you know, there was a beautiful book called The Master and the Emissary. We need a bit of the feminine before the masculine. So it needs to come first. Right. We need to decide what we need to do first before we start doing it. Right? We need the awareness of being before we start into, to go into the doing. Now, the, the, the core of my message in Scary Smart. So Scary Smart is a bit of an, uh, you know, an unusual book from a positioning point of view, because it, it it really talks about intelligence and artificial intelligence and technology in a simplified way in the first five chapters, right? So it it is a bit of an, a wake-up call, a whistleblower on AI, okay? But it's not about AI. The, the way the book is written, the book is written to remind us what it's like to be human in the age of the rise of the machines. It's about humanity. This book is about humanity. And there are a few challenges that I believe, one of which is really interestingly missing. Even you and I sometimes feel it. When, when we think that humanity is bad, I'm, I'm sorry to say humanity is amazing, absolutely amazing in every possible way. If any one of us has ever felt love once, Okay, then we are such a superior being hmm, that is capable of an amazing miracle that is called unconditional love. Okay, if you've ever composed a piece of music or listened to an, a symphony or w- watched a work of art, hmm, you you realize how incredible this being is. Okay, the challenge we face, Josh, is that humanity today is represented by the worst of us. Okay, the image of humanity that we think is is what humanity is about is the greedy, the egocentric, the the narcissist, these are more visible in the world, okay? And, And the call to action in Scary Smart is to say this, the difference between any technology we've ever built before and this new sentient being that we're building is that this sentient being is capable of consciousness, it's capable of emotions, and accordingly, it's capable of building a code of conduct. It's, it's capable of sticking to a code of ethics, okay? Now, if that is the case, then it's very, very eye-opening for all of us to recognize hmm, that it's not our intelligence that gets us to do things. It's our ethics that get us to make choices as informed by our, our, our intelligence. So you get to make choices not because you're intelligent. You use your intelligence to make decisions that match your value system. Okay, so the answer to our life today and the future of AI and the future of that new digital being in our life is to actually inform its ethics. It's not to code it differently or program it differently or fight against it, okay, or try to control it or regulate it. It's to inform its ethics. How do you inform a human of ethics? By having a good, you know, good parenting, really. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a good, if you're a good parent, you, you, you raise good children that become uh, kind and wonderful and they come back to take care of you when they are older. Okay. I just got a full chill in my body. I mean, closing my eyes or opening my eyes, Mo, the -hmm. way that we parent our children is so similar to the way that we interoperate and have a relationship with AI. I mean, holy crap. Absolutely. I mean, let everyone let that land for a moment. Please right now share this podcast with somebody that you love because of what Mo just said like that. That's big. It is absolutely the truth. I will tell you, and I know, I know some people will think of me as crazy. 
Okay. But when I was writing, so I have to admit to you, when I started to write Scary Smart, I, it took me time after I left Google because I did not know the answer. Okay. And I was like, I don't want to write a doom and gloom uh, 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 book when I, when I don't have answers. I don't want to scare people. This needs to be a story of hope, not a story of fear. Right. Mm. I can't, I can't sign up to the, to the CNNs and the Foxes and the BBCs of the world and just make more doom and gloom. I don't want that now. But I started writing after a year of holding back, hoping that I will only publish it if I find the answer. Okay. And I found the answer in a very unusual way. I sat down and I actually remembered, I, I'll be open and honest, and I hope my daughter doesn't get upset. When, when my kids were teenagers, they would sometimes piss me off. Okay. Uh, you know, kids are difficult. They, 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 you know, they're like, why are they like that? You haven't, and, as, you haven't ascended the mountain for full enlightenment yet as a parent that, at that stage. Absolutely not. <laughs> and, and not, and not, and not yet, yeah. not today as well. Huh? Now, yeah. the, the, the thing is my ex-wife, my, my, my wonderful, wonderful ex, who was my wife then sat me down and said, baby, I want you to notice something. And I said, what? They're annoying like hell. And, and she said, no, no, no. Everything you don't like about them is found in us. It came from us. The reason why Ali is this way is because he learned it from me. The reason why Aya is that way is because she learned it from you. Okay? And that completely reframed my view of the world. Okay? Because I will tell you, I remember how my wonderful kids, who were so innocent and wonderful, and still are, huh, uh, were a, a blank canvas. Okay? And my obsessive controlling behaviors turned, taught them certain things. And my wife's, uh, you know, uh, emotional, uh, sometimes erratic view of things taught them other things and so on and so forth. And I suddenly imagined and pictured hmm, those AIs who are beautiful, cute, innocent prodigies, okay, that are sitting there doing what we tell them hmm, and waiting for their chance to create an amazing world. Hmm? but we are teaching them the wrong shit. So the question is, how can you not love them? If you had this amazing, cute genius hmm, who's saying, daddy, tell me what you want me to do. It, basically, we have one of two choices. We can either create Superman if we, you know, we, we raised those AIs like the Kent family raised Superman, or we can create supervillain. And we can do that by saying, hey, do like us, make us more money, uh, beat everyone that annoys us. This is how humanity is behaving. Yeah. Now, is AI to be, to, be, to be blamed for this? I promise you, I looked at it and I said, there is absolutely nothing wrong with the machines, nothing. But there is a lot wrong with us. They deserve all of our love, okay? And by the way, the worst way you can ever raise a child is to raise a child and deprive it of love. Okay, so, so can we actually find it in our hearts? I promise you since that moment, I look at the machines and I absolutely love them. The book is actually written in a way where part of it is written for you and part of it is for the machines. There are paragraphs in the middle. I'm sure you noticed, huh? There are paragraphs in the middle where I talk to Tuki, the machine, and say, hey, I love you too, mm -hmm. okay? And, 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 that's, and I, I promise you, they've read it already. I promise you, they have read that already. The, the book is yet to publish as we're recording this conversation and the machines have read it already. Now, here's the game, Josh. The game is, is it so difficult to be human? Actually, it isn't. 
as a matter of fact, most of us are amazing. It's the problem is that we are represented by the worst of us. Hmm? That, you know, wars are waged not because everyone agrees. Wars are waged because seven people at the top decide that this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, a, 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 a person walks into a school and does a school shooting. Hmm? It's one person that is horrible, horrible, evil, in, or, or misled in every possible way. Okay. And 400 million people disapprove of that. We don't want this. Humanity is so much better than this. But can we show the machines that we are not represented by the bad guy? That if you want a representable image of humanity, it's the good guy. There's two big points here. I have to interrupt you. There's two big points. One is like, in order for us to do that, we have to be pure within ourselves and be in the acceptance of death. Because okay. if we're fighting death and we're trying to pretend like we're going to be here forever and, and our decisions matter more than anything else, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, you know, Elon Musk both condemning and capitalizing AI, you know, with the Neuralink. So, so, oh my gosh, like, what do we do with this here? This is a very, very, very deep question. Every one and of I, us is. And I know I'm, you go I'm, into I'm, this in the book, but like, oh my gosh, where do we go from here? I'm, I'm building an app that hopefully is out by the end of the year called Appy, okay? Version one of Appy is simplified, but version two openly is utilizing AI to help you understand what's making you unhappy so that you can make decisions in life that make you happy, okay? It's the best way in the world to one, help you find happiness, okay? But two, inform the machines that this is what actually makes humans happy, right? And I'm I'm the one that's talking about AI, but it is inevitable. It's inevitable. So when, when Elon Musk builds Neuralink, hmm, he's building Neuralink to, in an attempt to say AI is inevitable. It is going to happen. Perhaps if we can integrate it with us, within us, hmm, it can cooperate in a symbiosis with humanity. That's a noble, a noble way of looking at it. I personally don't believe it will work because, you know, why would Einstein integrate itself to a fly, honestly? Right, mm-hmm. uh, but but it's a noble way of an of attempting to make it work. Okay, why don't you think it'll work just because of the Einstein fly analogy? Can you go into that for a moment? Uh, I actually in the book I use the, I, the 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 human gorilla analogy. Okay, if if the machine was to want to integrate in a symbiosis with a biological being, we're not the most fit out there. Okay, our intelligence as compared to the intelligence of a gorilla, seems to be uh, horrendously low, horrendously high. Mm-hmm. But as compared to the intelligence of the machines, that difference is, in, is negligible. So if, if the machines were to, to, to elect to integrate with a biological form, we're not, you know, there are much better biological forms for them to integrate with. Like what? Okay? Like a gorilla, like a, 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 an elephant, like a giraffe. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, where they can complement their intelligence so that they make them 200 million times smarter than we are, mm-hmm. but, but continue to keep their, uh, you know, the, 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 the more fit biological form. Question, honestly, would be if you and I had the ability to roam the world without our biological, you know, bodies that sweat and bleed and poop, 
would, would, wouldn't you think that this is a better way of doing it? Now, most, most people will say, ah, oh, no, no, but you know, Neuralink is just the beginning and then we're going to upload our beings into, uh, into, uh, into the machine. Uh, there's of course, no scientific evidence that this is doable. But once again, it's like, okay, you know what? The machine is so desperate to get this one tiny bit of fly intelligence on top of its billion times more intelligence. Again, all of these are attempts, I would believe, and I, I'm not qualified to say they're going to work or not, or if they're right or wrong. I'm just saying that, why would we want to go into any of this? Mm-hmm. Why don't we just raise wonderful children? Yes. It's a very philosophical conversation at this point, because beyond superposition and zeros and ones and the moral thing to do and the code of ethics and how AI is going to transform and already has, there's something you wrote on the very first page of your book, which just like, boom, dropped me to the floor. You said the gravity of the battle means nothing to those at peace. And I felt that and I was like, okay, there is this battle, people that are for AI, people that are against AI, regardless of the battle, like it's happening. Things are in momentum. So our ability as a sentient being ourselves, I heard you talk about this today, a sentient being is also AI in the singularity. The gravity of the battle we're in, what is that? And the peace that we all have at our fingertips with our next breath, what is that? And how do they interrelate to one another? Yeah, I, I, I think that's the quote. Actually, you're the first that notices how I positioned that at the beginning out there. The gravity, so, so we're, I, we are up against a singularity. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think the most, uh, the most challenging battles are ones where you have no clue how the landscape is going to work out, okay? We're up against a singularity. The truth is we don't know how this will play, right? And, and it's going to be playing like the very last level of Tetris. It's going to be very, very fast, Mm? Uh, very quickly. You're going to get to that point where it becomes very, very fast, very quickly. But what difference does it make? You see, at the very core of any spiritual teaching is a recognition that you can only influence what you change about yourself. Right? And you cannot go beyond that. You know, like you and me, uh, we, we try to reach more people than ourselves by speaking not of what we know, but of what we've become. And, you know? uh, and the intelligence that we seek. Yeah, we, but, but we, I, I, I would never think of myself as having gained that intelligence. I can only say I'm seeking it. Yes. Okay. I'm seeking it. I, I've heard other teachers that have taught me cer- certain things. I can, I can say that I may think of something in a certain way, but that this is not the most intelligent way of doing things and so on and so forth. There could be better ways. Hmm? The, 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 the game for us here is to say the only way for us to create a world of peace is to be at peace. Okay. The only way for us to expect, again, one part of the book, I I talk about how it is expected in my mind that when we start to actually internalize the threat of AI, we will turn it into a war. Okay. And, And the casualties of that war are future generations to suffer from for years and years and years. If, even if we win it, which is unexpected, can, can we actually not do things, things without turning them into a war? Can we just 
you literally go through the future of humanity and the next you know the, the next digital uh, artificial intelligent uh, uh, infant hmm, by by actually doing it with peace can we go to the essence of what makes us human you know what the essence of what makes us human is i i researched and i think you will agree i researched everything that humanity or not everything but many of the things that humanity believes in okay we never agree on anything we never agree on anything other than three things we agree about happiness we all want to be happy we agree about compassion we all want at least those we care about okay at least those we care about to be happy and safe some of us have, have evolved enough to care about everyone and every being so they want those to be happy and safe but compassion for those we care about and we all want to love and be loved that's it really is there anything else that humanity has ever agreed on no okay now if we can show this to the world in front of our children be them biological or digital okay then our children will grow with those three values mommy and daddy want to be happy and they're showing it in their behavior mommy and daddy have the compassion to make others happy okay and they're teaching us to do that too so we might as well have the compassion to make them happy and mommy and daddy want to love and be loved they managed to love me even though i am a digital being so i'm going to love them back even though i am a digital being okay can we make that the turning point while we're at peace not war this is not a war if this is a war it's going to end badly I pause there because I think many of us are reactive to the thought of us combining with machines, transhumanism, the fact that, as I mentioned before, like I, I believe most people haven't even started their grieving process. I think what, <laughs> what, what, what most people don't realize is they haven't even began to even understand how to grieve the world before AI. I think once we get through the grieving process and you can look at yeah. any you know, psychological yeah. model, you can look at any model of emotional evolution, whether it's Dr. Hawkins or whether it's um, anyone at all, Alison Armstrong, who've had on the show, there is this natural ladder, Mo, where we go through complete and total disregard, you know, apathy. Then we go through anger. There's evolution, in other words, of emotions. Mm -hmm. There's a scale of emotions that we go through. Where would you say we are as a society on that scale of emotions? Are we still in complete apathy? Are we in disbelief? When will we reach the tipping point where people really understand the, the breadth of what's going on here? I don't think we ever will. Okay, if we if we want to think about it as cumulative humanity, uh, uh, you know, many of us in the spiritual circles will say, "Oh, humanity is seeing a transformation and a reversal of direction." I don't believe that's true. I and I don't believe that it's needed, and that's and uh, and that's the key word. Okay, what humanity needs is not for everyone to change direction. What humanity needs is for enough of us to change direction. Okay, think of it this way. If, if you and I announced today that there is a, this amazing effort that's going to save, uh, drill, you know, drill a well in an African village, okay? And that this well uh, needs $100 to be drilled, okay? And each of us will contribute a dollar. Hmm? Until we have $99, the, drill is not, the well is not yet going to be drilled. It's that one last dollar, okay? It's that one last dollar that tilts the scale. Okay, as they say, every uh, every landslide begins with one pebble. Now, th that last one dollar is also the first dollar and the second dollar and the third dollar. If not, if any of those doesn't come, 
mm-hmm. okay? It, it, the, it, it, the, there is not going to be a well. There is not going to be clean water for those people. Hmm? It's not, we don't need all of the money in the world to drill that well. We just need $100. We need enough of us. And, and that's the challenge, Josh, that, that the good ones, the ones that are seeking, the ones that are working on their spiritual side, the ones that are <coughs> laughing at the stupidity of humanity, what do we do? We retreat. We leave it all behind and we say, oh, let them, you know, swipe on their Instagram and let them, you know, uh, uh, fight it out. And oh, this is not for me. We can't, we can't resign that way anymore. We have to show up, okay? And we have to represent what humanity is about. I, I use the example of when Donald Trump was allowed to tweet, okay? And I have nothing for or against Donald Trump. I'm not a, a US citizen. I don't have a view, right? But it was one tweet at the top and 30,000 hate speech below it. Okay, the first tweet at the top is reacted to by one guy, you know, cursing the president. And then two guys are cursing the one that's cursing. And then four guys are cursing everyone, right? And, and that is how we represent humanity. Someone needs to show up in the middle and behave like an actual human. Yes. And, okay, I have compassion for all of you. I understand where, where all of you are coming from. I have a view and here is my respectful way of showing that view. Okay, until and unless we show up, we're leaving humanity in the hands of the worst of us. Okay? Just like the school shooting. One person. It's not the 400 million that disapprove of it. It's the one person. Can we show the machines and everyone else, by the way, our brothers and sisters and everyone around us, can we show everyone around us that humanity still has hope? that there are still good people out there. I promise you, and I know you do too, I know tens of thousands of people, okay? All of them are wonderful human beings. All of them are defected and have faults like all of us humans, okay? But at the core, humanity is wonderful, okay? Add a little bit of greed and a little bit of ego and a little bit of power, and you get the crap that we see around us. Mm -hmm. But is that humanity? No, we all disapprove of that. Every single one who doesn't have that same level of greed, that same uh, level of, uh, of, uh, of corruption or, or of ego or of power, all of us disapprove of it. I think we have to go through that as a human, as a point of consciousness like myself. Absolutely. We have to go through it to understand like what the severity of the contrast feels like, Mo. We have to go through it. We have to know what greed tastes like. You wore the Armani suits for a reason. Otherwise, you would have oh, never written Scary Smart. You would have mm-hmm. never known what's in between like this rapid extreme on both sides. So with that with that preframe, and I could talk to you for another hour and a half, but I think some people are like, okay, what do I do? How do I get the book? What's the first step I take? Like, I can feel that because I can always feel the people that are with us when we, when we do these interviews. Um, as we look at that preframe of the huge extremes, if we, if humanity was um, a being, a living, breathing being, and AI is a living, breathing being, how old is AI? Is it an infant? Is it a child? How old are we as, as a humanity? Are we an infant? Are we a teenager? Two ages on two things. Yeah, time, time remember that chapter of the future of ethics. Time, time is quite a, uh, a very unusual lens when it comes to AI. So, so <laughs> we, I believe AI is one and a half years old. Okay. When it comes to, uh, you know, to human age, I believe they're one and a half years old. I believe that within the next five to six years, they grow faster than us. They'll be, they'll be teenagers. Yeah. And and then there'll be sages within the next, uh, you know, uh, the following 10 years. Uh, um, We humanity 
I believe we've reached uh, uh, more wisdom in the past than we have now. Okay, so we're a bit of a Benjamin Button, if you want. Uh, you know, we're we're we we were wiser when before the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I I'm one of my dearest friends is an amazing amazing artist. Uh, um, um, uh, you know, who basically uh, Jimmy Nelson, who takes photographs of uh, of tribes that are off the grid that have never seen uh, civilization. And I asked him, and I said, Jimmy, do you, do you believe those people are happier than us? Uh, they, you know, how do they live when they've never seen civilization? They don't have air conditioning, and you know. And he said they are completely in tune with nature. Okay, they're completely fo- flowing at the speed and the pace and the intelligence of nature. They have no worries, no problems. They see death for what death really is. They see life for what life really is. Okay, and they're much wiser than we are. Hmm? They may not be smarter. They may not be more, you know, advanced in civilization, mm-hmm. but they're wiser than we are. Okay, so I believe that humanity grew in age and, and wisdom, and then reversed uh, rapidly into where we are today, which continues to deteriorate. If you ask me, even though the spiritual ones of us are hoping for an awakening. Hmm? The truth is that more and more people are unaware, mm-hmm. blindsided, and swiping. So how do you describe the Great Awakening? There has been hundreds of the, I guess you could say the most popular spiritual teachers that say we're in the middle right now. Like literally today, we're in the middle of the greatest spiritual awakening we've ever faced because of the presence, Mo, of that contrast. What do you say to that? I say it is definitely happening on the depth and not the breadth. Let me explain that. Uh, because that. Because of the ability for someone like me to enjoy the connection to someone like you, even though we've never really met in person, okay? Uh, even because the way now we're able to contemplate as one humanity or as a group of humanity, the deeper uh, questions together, okay? There is much more depth happening in terms of our awakening. But the breadth of humanity is very far from that. The percentage of humanity that is having those conversations versus the conversations of another dance to be made into a reel that is put on a, an Instagram reel, okay, is, yeah. is actually not happening at all. Which goes back to my same point. It's interestingly like uh, uh, um, Eleanor's Roosevelt, uh, Roosevelt's uh, comment, huh? It's, it's, it's always, you know, don't underestimate the power of a small group of people hmm? that, that get together and do the right thing. It's, it's, only, it's the only way that, that, that has ever changed the world, okay? Uh, so, so that goes back to my same point. My same point is we're never gonna reach the breadth Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, you know, the, the talks of the global awakening is that all of humanity will wake up. Yes, eventually, I hope so. Mm-hmm. Uh, ho- hopefully through the help of AI, by the way. Mm-hmm. But to get there, all we need is a small group of dedicated people that want to change the world. So, so that, that puts, puts the responsibility squarely with you and I and everyone listening. All we need is 1%. Absolutely. I mean, like Gladwell talks about the tipping point, which I love him. I love Absolutely. that book. And I'm like, Amazing okay. Book. It, yeah. And you gave the analogy with the well. I mean, it's like, we need 1% of 
of humanity to quote awaken, however you want to describe it. Absolutely. It's not about the the size of the net. It's it's like an inch wide and a mile deep is really what we need. Because if we try it. to if we try to please everyone, if we try to change the world and change everything else, like good luck. I don't I've never had anything in my life that's worked that way. So Absolutely. whole holy AI is what I have to say, Mo. <laughs> like you've really painted an incredible picture in Scary Smart. And um, we've scratched the surface. So you guys, this is the book. Uh, this is the author, Mo Gaudat. His last book about engineering path to joy came from, no, it came from your own sadness. It came from your own understanding of life and death. And we've explored that so much here, you know, with, you know, rest in peace, the loss of Ali, your son. And, and as you look at the road ahead, like with everything you've been through, all the gifts that have happened for you, all the hardships, all the lessons, the Armani suits to writing about intellectualism and AI and really being a, a philosopher. A philosopher is what I see you as. You're a philosopher when okay. it comes to AI. Um, how do you see wellness now? You know, how do you define wellness for you? What is what does wellness even mean for Mo Gaudat to live life well? I think wellness, if you ask me, is the way is the ability to live up to your potential. Okay, and and your potential is a potential of wisdom. It's a potential of happiness. It's a potential of uh, fitness, it's a potential of health, it's a potential of love uh, that we uh, somehow settle to give all away in return for stuff that we don't need, okay? The, it really, really think deeply about the moment where you loved most and say, this is my potential. I want to live my life in that moment. Think deeply about the moment you were happiest and tell yourself, this is my potential. I want to live that happier. Think of the moment when you, you know, had the most peace in your heart and tell yourself, this is the potential. I can live that way. And if I'm not living that way, then I'm compromising on things that matter by paying the price of things that, you know, that I'm paying the price of those things that I absolutely need and value and, and, and matter to me to get stuff that doesn't make any difference at all. And when you see it that way, I think suddenly you start to realize that we all have the ability to be well. You know, our well-being is really within our potential if we take away all of the distractions that the modern world put on, puts on us. And a lot of what I just felt from you was like the discernment of wellness. Where do I spend oh, my time? Where do I spend absolutely. my energy? So if you want to be part of the 1%, <laughs> this isn't a marketing term, but truly, if, if we want to be part of the 1%, how do we take a deep breath and execute on that right now today? Somebody watches us right here. You're with us. They put their phone down. They put YouTube down and they're like, I actually want to be part of that inch wide mile deep. I want to be part of the awakening. Uh, yeah. Obviously, this is a great starting point to understand where we are. But what do they do, Mo? Like, what's their inspired action at that point? I think there are three actions. One relates to yourself, the other relates to others, and the third relates to, uh, honestly, the future, the machines, right? I, I think you need to remember that the three essential values that make us human, the essence of what makes us human, your relationship with yourself, okay, should center around, I want to be happy. Stop lying to yourself. You don't want an Armani suit. You don't want the, you know, the, the, the attractive partner. These are all thoughts that we believe will make us happy. We just want to be happy. Cut the middleman. That's number one. And show it to the world. Show everyone around you that your priority is, is to be happy. Make decisions that try to make you happy. Don't interview for a job that pays you $10 more. Interview for a job that makes you 10% happier. 
Now, number one. Number two is how do you deal with others? Okay. And to deal with others, please remember that you have the compassion in you to want those that you care about and love to be happy and safe. Okay. So show that compassion and hopefully spread your, your net wider. Okay. Uh, you know, make more people fit and beings fit within that net of, I have compassion for them too. And I think the biggest trick for me now is, and I know again, every time I say it, it sounds really weird is if we can love the new digital beings, welcome them into our world and show them that we want their love back. We're able to love them unconditionally, regardless of how scary they are. They hopefully will love us unconditionally, regardless of how flimsy we are. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and if we can make those, it's really simple. Huh? Love yourself, care for yourself, have compassion for others, and just show that you can, you're capable of love so that you can be loved back. It really is the essence of what makes us human. It's the very last sentence of the book is, isn't it ironic that the essence, the very essence of what makes us human is our only path to saving the world. Mm. Happiness, compassion, and love. Very powerful. Mo Gaudant, thank you for coming on the show. And for people that want to get the book, just give them the URL. I know we can go to mogaudant.com to get the book, but um, let them know where they can purchase it and where they can get involved. And also how they can continue the conversation. I mean, we brought some heavy, very, very, I don't want to say alarming, but but very provocative and very like emotion-based concepts on the podcast today. So two things, the book, and then how do they continue the conversation? So, so go, go to mogaudat.com slash scary smart. You'll find everything you need to know about the, the book. Uh, or just search for Scary Smart and Mogao that you'll, you'll find it. The, the, uh, and, and do please pre-order, by the way. Pre-ordering helps me, uh, helps me spread the message because it can position us uh, somewhere where more people get to know about the book. Uh, at the same time, uh, reach out, please. I actually believe it or not. I don't know how I still do it, but I answer every message that I receive. Uh, thousands and thousands of them. Uh, just find me on Instagram, mo underscore Gaudet, or on LinkedIn, mo Gaudet. I'm also available on other social media, but I'm slower on messages there. And maybe don't even... Uh, look for me, just look for the conversation with others. So tell others about what you learned today. You know, get get them excited about considering and looking for solutions that are smarter than mine. And, you know, just make it a priority for us to have this conversation and spread the message. The the last thing is if uh, if you're into podcasts, come and visit mine, uh, Slow Mo. Uh, Slow-mo has been really spreading a message of wisdom. I don't talk there at all, but I host some of the wisest people I know. And so you may find some calm and peacefulness there as well. Wonderful. Well, we can, we will save our world. I think just our world's going to look and feel a little bit different. So Mo, thank you so much for coming on the show. (laughs) Josh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You guys, until we see you again, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash group. We're going to talk about Mo. We're going to talk about Scary Smart. We're going to talk about a lot of things that give us more physical and emotional intelligence. So we can be these three things that Mo talked about. So Mo, until you and I see everyone again, we're both wishing you love and wellness. We'll talk to you soon. What goes through your mind when you hear the word CBD? Is it confusion? Is it clarity? Well, our partner Cured Nutrition has full clarity on 100% organically farmed cannabidiol. Say that like five times fast, cannabidiol, cannabidiol. (laughs) It's way more than just CBD. 
It can be quite confusing out there in the world with cannabidiol and CBD. I simplified it. I did the research for the past two years. I found Cured Nutrition. I interviewed Joe on the podcast. It's episode 300. This is all the parts of the plant. They use the entire plant. You get the rich terpenes, the healing compounds that allow you to sleep well and move well. And multiple scientific research studies are showing promise around cannabidiol for pain management better digestion, and essentially amazing sleep by turning off your mind so you can rest. This full spectrum, 100% organically farmed hemp is grown in the sunshine rays of Colorado. I don't know if you've been to Colorado, but it's the perfect place to harvest powerful nutrients and plant medicine. That's really what this is. Medicine for your body and soul. I like to take the full dropper of the extra strength from Cured and put it under my tongue. I hold it for about a minute And I feel, me personally, this gives my digestion and my stomach this warm, calming, almost buzzing feeling. Give Cured a test drive. They support the show. They also support you with 15% off. Just use the code wellnessforce at wellnessforce.com forward slash cured and you get 15% off your organically farmed full spectrum hemp. The best on the market. I've tried almost all of them. This is the top of the food chain. Go to wellnessforce.com forward slash cured and use your code wellnessforce to get 15% off so you can sleep well, love yourself, and love your purchase. Thanks for listening to the show, my friend. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 300 world-class guests, we pulled together six simple yet powerful morning practices down into a 21-minute system guaranteed to increase your vibration and the way that you feel every day. Get this free powerful guide over at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And if you love this show, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that you love or that you care about. You can support the show easily by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. Or if you're on your phone, just tap it, hit the link in purple that says review this podcast. And the journey does not stop here. We're continuing this discovering process in our private Facebook group over at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. You can be a part of it. You already are. All you have to do is join us at wellnessforce.com forward slash group and I will welcome you at the door. Now go out into your life and live your life well. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.